This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me today, I'm going to let him introduce himself because I'm tired of him complaining about what I say and don't say. Introduce yourself. I am... Dr. Jamar Tisby. Yeah, it feels feels different, don't it? It feels different. It you, feels different. You can follow me at Jamar Tisby. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? <laughs> We're doing good, man. We're doing good. This season of my life, man, that question has meant a lot. How you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And I think that question, even asking it to... Another black man has meant a lot. Layers. There's yes. so many layers to unpack yes. with where we're at and where the collective, I don't even want to call it collective black men, <laughs> but really where we're at and what we're going through, what we're navigating. And I just have so many feelings and thoughts about what's going on in our conversations, what's going on in our psyche. Mm. What's going on in the way that we treat our relationship with God? What's going on in our dealing with trauma Ooh. from a pandemic? I have so many. It, it, it's just been sitting on my heart. You went, you went deep real quick. It has quick. been, man. It's yeah. been sitting on my heart because, you know, as black men, we internalize so much. I'm blessed to be in a lot of mentoring relationships with younger black men who I just encourage as best as I can. I don't think I know too much more than they do or have gifts that are in greater measure than them, but they just come and say, hey, can you encourage me? Mm-hmm. Can you pray with me? Mm-hmm. Can I bounce this off of you? Mm-hmm. And as much as I possibly can, I try to leave margin in my life that's with everything good. else that's going on, yeah. you know, to spend a few hours a month and encourage yeah. some younger black men. It's very important. We deal with a lot. We do. We do. And, and, and we are conditioned to just sort of grin and bear it keep going you know by the way black women even more so in many ways uh it's just different dynamics it's just different dynamics man um so when you ask that question how you doing you know you 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 get because it's also code just for a greeting right like Mm -hmm. hey what's up how you doing most people don't intend to get into it but if you if i really answer that question i am in a moment of deep gratitude yeah. because as we're recording this, I've been going through some things out in public mm-hmm. in regard to racism, in regard to my stances for racial justice, that I almost feel, it almost feels disingenuous to put out public statements as if everything's okay mm-hmm. with me. You know, well, I mean, we have to have boundaries. We have to be careful about who we share our most vulnerable oh, selves absolutely. with, right? Without and certainly that's not for social media. Yeah. 
But there is a sense in which I don't want to mislead people that particularly in the kind of work that I do, that it's, you know, just roll off your back. Like, I feel like that's the expectation that when we're doing anything, whether it's just the daily grind of of work and life or in particular taking a stand against something and for justice, we're supposed to act like, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I'm going to be all right. I'm good. Mm, I'm mm, good. Mm. No, the reality is yeah. I have felt beat up, worn out, drained, and getting in the same room with you and conversing with you and our team with Ryan and Bo. And that has been a balm to my soul. It has been healing. Yeah. I, that's what I want for black men. I've been kicking this around for a minute. We need to do a series. And I guess this is part one. <laughs> Heal black man. Heal. Heal. I, there was a moment uh, last year that was, I may have mentioned it before previously on the podcast, but it was a uh, seminal moment for me when after we made the transition to all nations, I went to, I was actually in Chicago already and decided to attend a Sunday service at headquarters, mm -hmm. the main church uh, that started it all 17 years ago. And so I text uh, Dr. Stevenson and told him I was coming and he was excited and uh, text uh, my homie who hadn't planted his church yet, but he was planning a church in Aurora, uh, Talit, who you yeah. met. And um, he said, man, dope. Like, I'll see you when you get here. And, and uh, I went there to be a part of the DNA, the fabric of the church to figure out what, what started all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much. Mm -hmm. I was very encouraged. And... You know, Dr. Stevenson brought me up on the stage and, you know, oh. yeah, he brought me up on the <laughs> stage. So this is, you know, Pastor, my Pensacola location, people clapped, and, you know, it gave me a hug and I was really meaningful. And he's preaching. He preached for a while and he was talking about healing and he was going through a series called group therapy um, and it was really transformative. So he was, he was talking about all these things and. And then at one point he said something and I remember that it hit me. I took a deep breath hmm. and I don't know exactly. I don't remember what it was, but it kind of clarifies some things for me. And I took a deep breath because I felt a weight. You know how sometimes you don't feel the weight until someone names it. Yep. And so he named something in that moment that caused me to take a deep sigh. And then I felt the spirit of God in me say, He's going to come by and let you lay that burden down. And I was like, huh? Like, you know, I just kind of felt like, obviously, don't claim to hear God audibly. I just felt that leading like, oh, you're going to be able to lay that burden down soon. And I was like, if this is God, he's preaching. Mm. So why is it that he's preaching? And he, I'm going to get the opportunity to lay my burden down. Is it going to be an altar call? Like, what's going on? And five minutes later. He he was walking. Dr. Stevens was walking back. And this is actually on my IG. He stopped. And then he walks up to me and gives me a hug. Mid-sermon. Mid-sermon. He just walks up to me and gives me a hug. And uh, pats me on the back. And I start weeping. And I remember in that moment, 
I've never cried in front of that many people in one setting before. My, my, my. And so it was very vulnerable for me as a black man Yeah. in a setting where I was not necessarily, I didn't know but a handful of the people there. And I've never been before to weep. And he bent down and gave me a hug. And then he said, you can hear if you listen closely, he said, he said, that's 20 years of pain. And man, man, I didn't realize how broken I was. I had no clue. I had no clue. And I remember thinking how dangerous it was that I lived life and didn't know how broken I was. Yeah. And you know it ostensibly because of patterns and behavior and, you know, life fatigue and exhaustion, but you don't really know it. Yeah. And man, it really made me ask the question, if this is 20 years, how much healing do I need to do? (laughs) For 20 years of pain. My goodness. And just in that one little moment, I put some up. Because I posted that moment because I thought it was important for people to see my process. And, you know, I had this hashtag, I will be healed. Whatever it takes, I'm going to be healed. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm, I'm so much less concerned. It shapes my ministry. It shapes my life. It shapes my preaching. I'm just so much less concerned with how it looks. Mm. I really am. I, I I would love to look decent. I would love to be excellent at what I do. I would love that, man. I really would. But if, I, if I'm not, I just want to be healed. My, my, my. And I, re- I really, really, really want to be healed. Yeah. And holistically, mind, body, soul. And I'm on this journey of, man, you know, I need to offer my my wife and my kids a healed that's right a healed man that's right that my reasonable service to God is to get my healing before I lead anybody mm. and as I've been going through this process man it's just been my burden as I interact with a lot of these brothers who I love so much and you know guys who I consider I look up to them I don't know what <laughs> you know I tell them all the time like man I uh, you come to me for advice. I'm like, man, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I think you're tremendous. You know, <laughs> um, I pray with you and I try to share what I have. But I'm like, man, I don't know if I can teach y'all anything you don't already know. But my heart for them is, man, we are so broken. And we just have no idea how broken we really are. And in those moments, God is kind enough to reveal our own brokenness and our own need for healing. And to reveal the ways in which we've internalized pain over the course of decades and then the generational trauma and then fighting for our families and then fighting our families and then fighting with our families Mm. and and all these things that we're having to do. And then people have the audacity to tell us who we are and aren't in public Mm. who have never met us. (laughs) And then we're trying to survive and and eat healthy hmm. once once in in five meals maybe hmm. <laughs> once in once in six meals maybe we need to be healed bro we need to be healed 
And that's what I want more than anything else, man. I don't treat black manhood like it's a an esoteric thing. I don't treat black manhood like it's something that's simply a, a means of critique or a means of the only identity I have. I treat it as something that needs to be redeemed and healed. And as great as black men have been and are, if we're not healed, man, what good are we? What is it profit us to gain the whole world and not heal? Mm. And that's what I want, man. And that's what I want our theology to shift to. And I know that's heavy, but I, you know, I was just thinking about all the things that we've internalized and held on to. And for black men who are listening and who have fought really, really hard to break even, man, I see y'all. I see y'all. You fought so hard to just make it. To just survive. And there's a, a beauty in survival. There's a, a prize in making it. But man, don't leave your healing behind. We got to get healed, man. When I look at this historically, I feel 400 years of history in your words. When we think about why we're on this continent of North America, this country of the United States of America. We're here because some small group of people found us useful Mm. and not useful as equals, useful as tools. We were literally considered black people, men and women and children considered property. Our usefulness consisted in how hard we could work, how strong we were as men, and what profit we could bring this small group of people. And even after slavery, it was still, well, how can we use the black man? And so convict leasing arose, sharecropping arose to exploit the black family in general, right? And if we couldn't be useful in a productive sense of producing something, making something, breaking something for somebody else, then we were entertainment, which we still are in many ways. And so how do we move from being valued for what we could do for someone else to being valued for who we are yeah. As bearers of God's image and likeness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How do we shrug off that burden of you're only as good as you are useful. And if you're not useful, you're dangerous. And if you're dangerous, you need to be controlled. You need to be hunted. You need to be caged. You need to be killed. How have we internalized that? In terms of usefulness and mm. utility, and and we we talked a little bit about like our crazy schedules and how <laughs> well we feel like our busyness sometimes wrecks our lives, controls our lives, like holds us down. Yeah. But how is that utility and usefulness just communicated a message in our in our schedule in our and what we say yes to and what we say no to that's great that's a great question for me it 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 has been a pursuit 
a hectic breakneck pursuit to prove I'm more than what they expect mm, I am. Mm, mm. So not only did wow. I get a master's of divinity, mm-hmm. it had to be from the right school, which would be respected in these certain circles. Um, getting a PhD by the time I started it, I was starting to come out of some of this, but there is still the sense of, well, if I have a terminal degree and the highest research degree possible, well, then it defies their expectations, you know? So I think for a lot of black men, it's feeling hounded by inferiority Hmm. And running and hustling and emptying ourselves out and exhausting ourselves to prove we're not inferior in the eyes of white men. I think it also affects our ideas of success. Mm. And you even mentioned that we put so many qualifiers on what we accomplish. So it's not just getting the degree. It's from the certain school. It's not just getting this, but it's the highest one. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. It's just thing after thing. And I think some of us need to hear that even in the areas where we feel like we haven't been as successful as we could be, or as maybe we feel like failures because we, in comparison to others, haven't accomplished what we think we should, the fact that you are still here Mm -hmm. and the fact that you are still yearning for better and healthier is beautiful. You haven't given up. That you haven't given up. That you haven't quit. You haven't stopped dreaming. That you haven't stopped dreaming. That you survived. Survival is resistance. (laughs) You survived this pandemic. You survived not having the things that would have made you better and more successful and giving you the same opportunities you thought you should have seen in others. And and that's why I think it's important. I know we were going to talk about some other stuff, but man, I feel like we need to really make a case for healing for black men. Because I think it's before we can get into what that looks like, I don't think people believe they're worthy of it. We need to talk about something you've brought up several times and it's important. We need to talk about shame. Shame is a barrier to healing. And it's something we have to name. Like you said earlier, sometimes you don't know you're carrying this burden until somebody names it. And I think there's a lot of shame in black men because we receive so many messages that we're less than, that we're only good if dot, dot, dot. And that gets internalized as shame so that we diminish our accomplishments. We diminish our ability to celebrate ourselves or other people, we diminish our ability to love black women and children well, because we have this internalized shame that we've absorbed in a thousand different ways throughout the courses of our lives and our ancestors' lives, that we're not equal. And then we pursue these external forms of success to try to outrun that shame. Mm. But because it's internal, nothing external is going to fix it. And it's something that we can only deal with in ourselves, in brotherhood, and in relationship with God, who restores the dignity. Yes. 
Yes. Who reminds us of our dignity that really can never be taken away. Yeah. Yeah. But can be clouded, can be um, distorted because of the society we live in. Let's take a break and I want to come back and talk some more about shame. This is heavy, but I think this is helpful. Heavy, but helpful, hopefully. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, you can go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. So, Jay, we've been talking about healing, and it's funny you mentioned shame because recently I just preached a message on this. (laughs) And specifically in Jesus' restoration of Peter, and how Peter decides after. Jesus has risen from the dead that he's going to go back fishing. And so he says, let's go back fishing. And then Nathaniel and some others decide that they're going to go with him. Like, okay, cool. We'll go with you. And they fish all night, get nothing. And then Jesus comes, but they can't see who it is. And he says, hey, throw your nest on the other side. They do it. As soon as they do it, they receive an abundance of blessing. And what struck me about that was the second there was a blessing, then John says himself in the text, the the one whom Jesus loves, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the Lord. And Peter hops out, you know, swims to the ocean. It was so fascinating to me that God blessed Peter in spite of his denial. That was so fascinating to me. Because my assumption is that I serve a God who wants to punish me. Yeah. And when you have not just failed a standard, because shame is about failing in the eyes of someone. Mm. Shame is not just, guilt is about failing a standard. I did something wrong, so I'm guilty of not meeting the standard of this. Right. And hopefully guilt will lead me to change behavior. But shame is when you failed and were guilty in front of someone else. Mm. Or when you weren't guilty in front of someone else or someone just said something about your failure. It's a relational kind of a Yeah, it always feeling. is. Yeah. Or, or your parents said this about you as a child. Or people told you. And, and it was so fascinating to think about the kindness of Jesus and Jesus' decision to bless Peter with abundance at the intersection and the exact moment of what would have been Peter's shame of not wanting to be seen by God or be around God. And the proof and evidence that it's the Lord is the blessing. My goodness. <laughs> it's the blessing. That's, that's so often the thing that we're, we're, shame, we're shameful of is designed to draw us to the feet of Jesus and say, this is your, this is your proof that I am, I'm here. I'm with you. 
And I'm not gonna withhold my blessing. I'm not gonna withhold. That's wild to me, bro. It re- that is wild to me. It is. It is a. It is a life altering realization that is not simply intellectual. It's. It's. It's soulful. It reminds me of the woman, and they were about to stone her, and then it said, "Yes, whoever's not guilty, cast the first stone. Go for it." And then he asks her, "Where have they gone? Is there no one to condemn you?" They've all gone. Well, then neither neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow. That blessing of forgiveness, that blessing of as far as the East is from the West. Mm. And I wonder if black men are healing begins with realizing that God is not withholding God's blessing. Bro, because he looks at us Oof. as shameful in some way. God doesn't look at us that way. Have we actually realized our forgiveness in Christ? Have we realized that we're fully restored? Yes. We don't have to make amends. We don't have to prove ourselves to God. God didn't come for the righteous. And that in Christ, you are righteous. So we can be free of that burden of shame. We can be relieved of that yoke, of that bondage to shame. Then we can begin to actually heal. Because you run to Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. And then what does Jesus say? What does Jesus ask of Peter? Peter, do you love me more than these? Whoever these would mean, whether it's fish, disciples, (laughs) whatever. Whoever these are in your interpretation of the text. Do you love me more than these? So it's interesting. Jesus was after Peter's affections before his actions. Look at that. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now go and do from the place of love. Yeah. Yeah. Not do you know the Ten Commandments? Not why did you fail me? Ooh. Not why do you keep doing this to the people you love? Not what's wrong with you? Not, not, why are you, why are you proving them right? Why are you making me look bad? Man, I think healing starts with the freedom that this is, this is fundamental. That as black Christian men, we're loved sons. Yeah. We are loved sons of, of God. We are loved. We are celebrated sons. God delights in us. God is not begrudgingly like sitting in the lazy boy recliner, reading the newspaper and looking at us as an annoyance. God is not looking at us. Yeah, he's he's one of my kids. He one of them hard headed, you know, whatever. Something got it. We got to do something with him, but I don't know what to do. God, that's how I think God thinks about me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's if we're being honest. That's how I think God thinks about me. Steep, bro. That's 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 the issue. That's what I've been confronting for the past year. Cause that's the vision of God I assumed was always over my life. Mm. And that I would work so hard and hope. I was preaching at this church. I, I referenced it before. I was preaching at this Baptist church and and so it's surreal for me because I'm in I'm in front of, you know, all these different people and pastors and it's it's 
six other churches in town. It's at a historic Black Baptist church, and I'm one of the speakers. I'm the youngest. They mention I'm the youngest, you know, like they're like, he's our youngest, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm in with my locks and, you know, a suit and whatever. And so it was surreal for me because my father had done this before, you know, over the course of 20 years of this, this, you know, seven sayings being in existence that, you know, my, I've seen my father do this probably two or three times in different settings. It's a high honor and, you know, and so he was there. I wanted to do him proud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I did my thing. People, you know, said it was, you know, glorify God. And then people were talking to me afterwards and, and they were like, yeah, I saw your dad smiling. I was like, yeah, I hope, I hope I made him proud. And it was such a weird statement for yep. me to make. Yeah. Because my father literally tells me every day that he's proud of me. Mm. Why do I question that? Mm. It was so weird. Like, even when I said it, I was like, I told him, I, I told him we were sitting in the uh, back eating with everybody. And I was like, yeah, I hope I made you proud. And he just kind of looked at me like, huh? Like, what do you mean? You know? Yeah. Now, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're my son. You're my son. That's it. And he didn't even say, he's like, of course. It was just kind of weird. And yeah. so I think about how I course correct my father, even though he reinforces and affirms that in me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think about God. Right. And how I just assume I'm working really, really hard for the Lord and, you know, trying to daily be more like Christ and then also. Just trying to get close to God. Yeah. Yeah. And hope he's proud. Right. Hope he hope he considers hope he considers this worth it. Well, I mean, I can absolutely relate. You know, it's it's like it's like so much in my life is like me hustling, hustling, hustling to achieve and then coming back to God with, you know, like the school paper and say, Is this good enough? Are you proud? Does this make you happy? Mm. Kind of a thing. And I think it's because we think that God's love is conditional on our actions rather than our status hmm. as God's children. So we think that God's love depends on what we do or don't do, how we behave, how well we follow God, whatever we interpret that to mean, instead of the fact that that love is predicated not on our actions, but on our relationship as God's sons. Yes. Which is your dad saying, what do you mean, man? I'm proud of you. You're my son, you know, kind of a thing. And I don't know. I mean, I, it's easy to say it's hard to live that way. Yeah. It's hard to really accept that. But I think that's the starting place. That's the case for healing. The case for healing is receive that. Receive healing. And the hardest thing for me to do has not been an action as much as it's been a real to rest in a reality to to rest in the reality that we're worthy yeah we're black worthy. men black, as black christian men we're worthy we're worthy Whew. that's what some somebody needs to hear that you're worthy of love you're worthy of healing you're worthy of rest you're yeah. worthy of being proud of yourself yes you're worthy of celebrating what yes. you've accomplished. Yes. You're worthy of being fully invested in that moment. Yeah. You're worthy of receiving honor. 
receiving celebration. And that's the way God made us. That's not arrogance. It's, oh, we self-limit ourselves. We do. We don't embrace the fullness of who God made us to be, which Mm -hmm. is why we don't think we're worthy. But Mm -hmm. if we actually lived into what it means to be the crowning creation, the crown of God's creation, right? God made humanity and God rested. It's like, I'm done. That's it. That's what I was building up to. You're that's, worthy. That's that's what we need to hear. That's what we need to hear before we can heal. Yeah. That's what we need to hear. So I hope, you know, we're going to talk about more things. More but, things. You know, Super heal. Deep. Black men, heal. Yeah. yeah. Receive your status and your place and allow that to be the transformative element of what causes you to run to the feet of Jesus, and then allow Jesus to lead you to the right tools to be able to get your healing. Mm. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about how that restores our relationships and how that restores our families and how that can restore even the image of ourselves in society and things mm. like that. But I just want to say to black men that we need to hear this more and we don't hear this from one another because it feels awkward, but you're worthy and I think leaning into that because of what Christ has done, that now Christ has made you worthy of all these things that you feel like you have to work and earn. I think that'll change some lives. Let's we might we people. might have some healed black men. We might have some black men that'll stand up and say, no, nah, I will be healed. Amen. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.